What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast once again. My name is Harrison. Good to be with you. I am the Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest Huntersville. This is Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Huntersville. We appreciate those of you Lake Forest uh, Huntersville folks taking time out of your life to track with us on the Ask LFC podcast. Harrison, I'm surprised after what happened on Sunday to close out the worship you didn't switch our theme music to banjo. We should have. We should have. It was a party on Sunday. And if you were not here for Memorial Day weekend, which we understand a lot of you uh, traveling out, running around. But for those of you who are here, we wanted to make sure that it was uh, a day worth coming to. And it was awesome. It was a party. I got to play a banjo at church. So that was great. Yes. We ended the worship service with hoedown worship. Um yep. There was not a person walking out without a smile on their face. That was joyful and fun to to pull back. The, uh, uh, I, who who wrote that song? Is I, it a folk song? I think I saw the light is what we finished with, yeah. and we did it full on hoedown. Yeah, worship. it was it was repopularized uh, uh, seven eight maybe ten years ago now by the David Crowder band. But someone posted on our Facebook page. I'll have to fact check this, but they seem to think it was originally written by Hank Williams, which kind of. That would make sense. Morgan Ford texted that when she texted us a picture of some social media interaction afterward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she, uh, and she is a music aficionado. Yes, she is. Uh, so I think, I think that's right. I remember looking that up uh, long ago. Anyway, what a gift that was. Thank you for you and the worship team. <laughs> it was awesome. You made it worth it. It to was be a out. great day. What on, are, uh, Mike, give us a little sneak peek. What are we getting into on the podcast today? Today, we are going to <clears throat> give some book recommendations for your summer reading. It is the very end of May, about to be the first week of June. And so we'll talk about a couple of things that Harris and I have been reading, some reading that I did on a recent vacation. I took a, Angie and I took an end of spring, beginning of, of, um, summer vacation to northern New Mexico, Santa Fe and Taos, is how you say that, uh, which was outstanding, and I I took a few books with me to kick off my summer reading. So, yes, that's our our recommendations today. What are we going to be reading uh, in our sermons for the summer, Harrison? Yeah, we're excited. We we just got a chance to dig into this just a little bit over the past week or two, and uh, over the summer, for a good chunk of the summer here, we're just going to be walking through the book of James. Uh, there may be some spots where we're jumping around a little bit, but in, in kind of a neat way, uh, a lot of the series, we're just kind of going straight through the book mm-hmm. and just taking the, taking the themes that James brings to us and uh, you guys as our teaching team around here, unpacking that. Uh, so I'm, I'm, super, <clears throat> I'm super excited to spend a summer in the book of James, one of my favorite uh, New Testament books to read all the time. I'm excited mm-hmm. to dig into it. Me too, and we've been so focused on Christology, to use a big word, with the I'm, I am statements of Jesus after Easter, and the uh, identity and work, the person and work of Jesus prior to Easter in the Gospel of Luke, that uh, we're challenging our preachers, including me, to be as uh, everyday life practical as possible in the applications from the book of James, because that's how James wrote it. The book of James is often called the Proverbs of the New Testament because it, uh, number one, it's not arranged. It doesn't, it's not like a tight argument. It starts with A, and if A, then B, and then if B, then C, and then if C is correct, then D and E. That's the way a lot of, most of Paul's writings go in the New Testament. This is more like the book of Proverbs in which 
He'll address one life subject and then just trip to another one that is completely unrelated, but applying the faith to very practical matters of life. So the Proverbs in the New Testament, the book of James, we'll look forward to that. Yeah, so um, we just, as we've been talking about over this last stretch, we just, uh, we know you're going to be uh, in and out and traveling this summer, but we uh, we will be here and uh, just continuing to see what God has for us. So we just hope we see as many of you as possible here in person at church over the summer. Cause we are, we are, we are, uh, there's no vacation Sundays, uh, for the church throughout here. We're all going to take some vacation days and healthy rhythms and stuff like that, but we will be here. Church is happening. We love for you guys to be here. Genesis too. one and two every seven days mm-hmm. worship and rest, uh, and 10 commandments, the big 10, uh, number one, number one, number one, uh, worship, uh, the Lord, your God, uh, and every seven days. So that's, that's our responsibility, um, and our privilege and our joy and what's healthy for us as human beings. And it's our job to facilitate that every week. And we know people are in and out Harrison, statistically speaking, I, I realized this again recently, um, and is why, uh, this past Sunday, uh, Jeff and I re-upped looking directly into the camera and speaking directly to those worshiping online because there are week in, week out, actually more people worshiping from wherever they are uh, rather than in person. Now, there were a lot of people here in person Sunday. Mm-hmm. It exceeded my expectations on a wet, cold yeah. holiday weekend. It, yeah. that was out. it was just great to see all of our friends. Mm-hmm. But even as I addressed people, hey, you may be at your Airbnb, you may be, you know, at a vacation house or uh, wherever, uh, but lean in with full heart and voice. And that is my counsel to all of us, that when we worship online or at home or when we're away or we catch up late, you know, on Sunday nights because of something going on, that we truly approach it as worship and lean all the way in. Uh, And so I got a text in between service, or actually right at that moment, I didn't read it until after the first service, of a picture from one of our ministry partners, uh, Ray and Ann. Hey, here's our Airbnb, and it showed uh, their feet up on a on a footstool with the TV and our worship service on it, and then looking out the front door at whatever lake, and there was a fire pit between their front door and the lake. So that was kind of fun to see, and I appreciated their faithfulness in worshiping. Mike, I think, I mean, that inspires me. I think sometime this summer... Um, the worship and teaching should be live streamed into the service where you and I are out at the beach <laughs> with the ocean behind. I'm just, I'm just floating that out there. If people yeah, can, if that. people can watch it from the beach or the lake, I feel like we should be able to do the service from the beach or the lake once, but look, just, just an idea. I think so. Or we could encourage just for, we don't want to do this all the time and make a spectacle, but it could be fun to ask everyone who's worshiping live online to send in a picture of where they are. And we bring that up in real time during the service. <laughs> that would be awesome. For a, just a sense of, uh, of yeah. uh, you know, we're together. There's some there's some unique. Okay, let's get to books, 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 books. Let's do it. Okay, first thing I'm going to um, talk <clears throat> about is not a book. It's a magazine. It is, is this the only? This is the only magazine that I subscribe to. Hmm. Angie might subscribe to one or two. And I might have mentioned it before, but... 
I'm a North Carolina kid. I grew up here. I've lived a bunch of other places, but migrated back to raise my family and uh, and engage in my life's work. I love the magazine called Our State. Uh, the subtitle is Celebrating North Carolina. It's a monthly. Hmm. And I get this little feeling of delight when it shows up. And we came back from vacation. Angie went to the post office and got our mail that had been held. And she goes, oh, Mike, you're going to be happy. The beach edition, which is annual, <laughs> of our state awesome. uh, came while we were away. It, our state explores every nook and cranny of our state. It's like a travel guide. It, it's a, it highlights little aspects of culture, crafts, businesses, entrepreneurs, but especially by locale. And so if you're someone who likes to explore, likes to take a day, either a day trip or an overnight trip to um, obscure places, or you want to get to know better the places you already go, Asheville uh, occasionally for most people, Wilmington, uh, the Outer Banks, there, it's just full of local food, local flavor. I, it delights me, honestly, um, and I collect them. That's awesome. I'm an adopted son of North Carolina. If there was a magazine for my home state of Florida, it would be a train wreck. So I'd be much more interested in this <laughs> one than that one. <laughs> That's great. So that that is a recommendation to you. Um, Harrison, why don't you go next with the book that our staff and elders recently finished? We walked through it meeting by meeting. Yeah, there was a book uh, that we spent a, a good amount of time in, and a lot of our staff meetings had different staff members sign up to break down some chapters of it and ended up being uh, really beneficial for us. The book is titled How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People, and the author's name is Pete Grieg, G-R-E-I-G, if that's how you say his name correctly. And uh, what we enjoyed so much about this book, we've talked a number of times here on the podcast that um, we've been over the past couple of years, not that before the past couple of years this was ignored, uh, but Mike, uh, from from you, from our team of elders that's trickled down to our staff, we've really been trying to figure out how can we up our level of uh, inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of our worship services, mm-hmm. to be a part of our meetings, to be a part of everything that we're doing, just kind of um, realizing as as a member of the Godhead, there there were times where we had emphasized a little bit less the work that is involved with the Holy Spirit. And what's what was neat about this book, I think for mm-hmm. me and for us as a team, is just um, just remembering how to simply slow down and bring prayer into every part of our lives Mm -hmm. and just increasing that connection. It's really hard to lead people to a place where you're not, you can't, you, Mm -hmm. you got to know how you got to know the roadmap to get to the place to be able to take people there. And it's just been neat seeing our staff as a whole, just being strengthened uh, by this book, how to pray uh, and, and just, just, really simple nuts and bolts. How do we make prayer a part of our everyday life? And he really puts it on the bottom shelf. I really enjoyed spending time at it. So as a recommendation for me, it'd be a A simple guide for normal people, Mm -hmm. how to pray. Um, The Romans eight makes Paul makes it very clear that every child of God has the spirit of God. Every Christian is given the Holy spirit Upon uh, their at their moment of salvation, when that happens, also 
the book of Acts and other times in the New Testament make it clear there, there are moments of extra filling. When the Holy Spirit fills a room, a group, or a person in an overflowing sort of a way, and we're seeking to uh, learn more about that, ask for it. We don't want to leave Holy Spirit um, power and presence on the table if it's been made available to us, and that's what we're eagerly, eagerly seeking. A book that um, that I couldn't believe I hadn't read yet, a friend mentioned it um, act- uh, um, a couple of weeks ago. I was like, what? I still haven't gotten that. I asked my sons. I put it on my Christmas list because it had been out for a little while, and they actually exceeded it and got me something better yeah. and more expensive. They, <laughs> they, they bought an elliptical machine that fits perfectly wow. in this little space in my home study, uh, and I worked that puppy out uh, several times over the weekend. That's awesome. But it made me forget because I had it on a list. So um, while on vacation, and I just finished it up yesterday morning, rainy Memorial Day morning, Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story by Bono. Hmm. It, it's a combination life story by Bono uh, and story of U2. Um, I reveled in this. I, uh, the, the trajectory of, of U2 uh, has, you know, they're just a little bit older than me. And so I've, I've, uh, their music has been a soundtrack to my life, especially my early life. Hmm. I've been a humongous fan uh, for many reasons, liking the music, the artistry, but also Bono has been an example to me, as far as I could tell, uh, of someone who is a Christian um, walking firmly in their faith and doing good work without using Christianese or, for example, uh, needing the label of Christian band, which three out of the four of you two have always been believers since they were teenagers. They were in the same Bible study and church fellowship together. Mentored, Harrison, I learned in here, their guidance counselor of the high school that uh, three of the four went to and where they met. Um, the guidance counselor was a Christian man who would hold Bible studies on afternoons. Hmm. Uh, and he mentored these young men, particularly Bono and the Edge, in the faith. And in just being young men, each of them came from different uh, situations. Uh, all of them had difficulties with their father, interestingly, in their teens. Um, that high school counselor ended up being their chaplain to the band and t- has toured with them all of these years. He, he did die recently. Heeslip was his last name. I think it was Jack was the first name. Isn't that cool? That is the coolest thing ever. Okay, so <laughs> just awesome. a couple of quick nuggets oh, here. Man. Surrender, 40 songs, one story by Bono. I just uh, admire his life and his openness, and his writing is very good also. Each chapter is with a song. Hmm. Uh, is It, it, it kind of sequential through their career. So if you're at all a fan, you'll enjoy this. Um, but he, he talks about his first experience uh, as a Christian. Um, one of his buddies, uh, Googie, on his street. That that was their nickname for him. I don't know where it came from. I uh, grew up in a, a household that went to a Protestant church, and he invited Bono. He and his parents invited Bono on their, their YMCA church camp when Bono was a young teen. And he said, Bono said, at that camp, I'd never been away from home. Uh, uh, and he said, the first time, Somebody stood up and invited us to give our life to Jesus, give your heart to Jesus. I stood up and I went forward and gave my whole self to him. He said, and ever since, and if today in the middle of a bar somebody says, 
hey, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? I will be the first one (laughs) going forward. I do it every time. If anybody says anything like that, I go forward because I still want to give my whole self, my whole life to Jesus. Uh, He's very humble about not always doing it right or well. But the the man has lived with uh, a a clear sense of, of who he is and who he belongs to his whole career. I, I just appreciated that. That's awesome. Well, and Bono's such a cool guy. It's been cool seeing his journey. Like you said, he's 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 never claimed to be a perfect person, but it's really cool how uh, there are people who might never be open to catching a glimpse of <clears throat> a glimpse of Jesus in somebody if they're a uh, a regular everyday church attender or even someone who works in ministry like you or I that you have somebody like uh, Bono that's just doing it in his way that you know there have been countless people that he has made it possible for them to even think that Jesus could be a thing for them because of the way that he approaches it. And I just think that's super cool. And I love, as a side note, my thing I love about you two is um, as a music fan especially – I, I think we've talked about it here in the podcast, I'm sure before, but I think music is one of the coolest gifts that God has given us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't need to exist. There's no reason mm-hmm. for music. It's 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 rhythms and tones and frequencies, but for some reason something about it just does something to us and it's cool hearing uh, you, you've heard 20 of these as well, Mike, over the years, I'm sure. People who are like, you know, I'm not sure if I believe in God or not, but when I went to a U2 concert and heard them play whatever song, mm-hmm. Where the Streets Have No Name, for example, is one people mention a lot. They're like, I don't know, there's something spiritual happening. Like, I felt spiritual and I couldn't understand why. It's just cool. It's just cool seeing them use their gifting to just make sense of the world. Don't forget, at my funeral, you must <laughs> perform right. Magnificent as a worship song. Got and Where the Streets Have No Name as the final moment of hope okay got it's, it it's on the record episode okay, 128 on, on the record <laughs> that's right and it has to be huge okay well we I, we can do that uh like rattle my ashes which will <laughs> which will be present um please do that okay that leads me to another book that i i found in a bookstore we were in taos new mexico we had a great time um experienced such a different terrain in the american southwest um different cuisine uh, I, after the first day I realized, you know, like the nature of New Mexican cuisine and my goal was to have green chili in or on at least two of my meals per day. And I did that. And I think well my innards are about <laughs> back to normal. That's good. It was outstanding. Yeah. I would be sweating. I would take my hat off and like run a napkin over my head mm-hmm. and then I would eat more. That's great. I would go back in. Um, but one of the things, uh, Angie and I were poking around Taos, and I love, we love it when we come upon what uh, is clearly uh, a longtime institution of a bookstore. And this bookstore was t- for English majors in the house. It, it, was, it was a great uh, name. It was uh, titled Op Site, O-P, period, C-I-T, period. Which is an obscure reference that if you're a researcher or you write like your doctoral thesis or something, You've already you footnoted and you quoted Bono in the book Forty, and then if you quote him again five pages later, you say up sight uh, Bono page forty. It, it it just delighted me. That's awesome. <laughs> I like the name of it. So I browsed there for a long time, and I picked up a book that 
that I should have read a long time ago. Abraham Joshua Heschel is a, uh, a prominent Jewish philosopher um, of the 20th century, mid-20th century. He's quoted quite often by um, people that I read and learn from, but I'd never read him directly. Um, and so uh, I picked up his book titled Man is Not Alone, subtitle A Philosophy of Religion. Hmm. And I haven't read straight-up philosophy in a long time, and it's not for everyone. And I'm, I'm just slowly picking through it. It's dense. But the essence of this work it, he, I mean, he claims for this to be a philosophy of religion. The essence of it is that man has two faculties. One is rationality. The other is wonder. And that modern man uh, believes, uh, has come to a state where rationality leads us to a, uh, an, uh, a posture of doubt as we encounter the world. And we have subsumed our capacity for wonder which he argues over and over again in very in erudite ways that I won't try to reproduce, um, that uh, our capacity for wonder leads us... Uh, well, let me say this. Here's one sentence. The ineffable inhabits the magnificent and the common, the grandiose and the tiny facts of reality alike. Hmm. And then he says... Uh, being is unbelievable. We are amazed at seeing anything at all. Amazed not only at particular values and things, but at the unexpectedness of being as such, at the fact that there is being at all. He essentially uh, posits over and over that the fact... That there is anything, the fact that we wonder at a sunset, and then he brings in music and poet, music, poetry, and religion. He puts in the same category hmm. as man's attempt to express wonder and to apprehend the unapprehendable. The he keeps coming back to the word the ineffable or the mystery of existence at all, uh, and his essential argument uh, over and over is that. The fact that there is an intelligence and a being and an intender behind all things is uh, self-evident knowledge. Hmm. So there you go. Abraham Heschel, I did not do him justice just there, but if you have a philosophically oriented mind, you will be enraptured at this, and, and perhaps you can pass it on and talk about it to other people better than me. Excellent. Okay, how about... Yeah, I'll throw one more in there. Um, this is another book <clears throat> we worked on together as a team a little bit. Um, Mike, you've mentioned before, uh, there are a lot of, uh, of stages of life, uh, in a church and we've realized around here at Lake Forest that we're, we're just trying to, uh, get better at a couple things around here, um, uh, uh, in terms of our team, how we're managing and leading people on our team. So a group of us on our team, uh, Mike, for your, from your recommendation, went through this book. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's called The Making of a Manager, subtitle mm -hmm. What to Do When Everyone Looks to You by Julie Zhao, Z-H-U-O. Uh, Again, I like your confidence in, in making the, <laughs> the 
pronunciation of the last name of the author. I am trying my mm-hmm. best. I am trying just, my best. You just went in there and <laughs> picked your own lane. Yeah. You know, if you say it confidently enough, <laughs> you're probably looking good. Uh, what's really neat about this book, uh, she she did a really good job, again, of kind of putting it uh, on a down-to-earth level, uh, just really going through the nuts and bolts of how to manage teams like uh, some of the some of the chapter titles one of the chapters is uh, called amazing meetings another one is called uh, leading a small team another one's leading a growing team just Mm -hmm. just really getting very practical about and and recommending here because we know uh, a lot of you lake forest folks uh, work in positions where you're you're partnering with people in in settings where um you are managing people or you're part of a team. It's just, it was just really cool for us working through this together and getting more, um, getting more, uh, exact and precise about some of the stuff that I think we've done pretty well, but putting mm-hmm. some words and terminology mm-hmm. to it and challenging ourselves as a team it was really cool sitting down with, with some of our leaders of ministry on the staff and just being able to look at each other and be like, you know, how do you feel like we're doing this well and how do you feel like we could grow at it? And just the the honest conversations that it sparked with us as a team is kind of a safe place for those of us who help lead teams to be able to look at each other and say, yeah, I've kind of struggled with this. And, and almost always, you know, everyone's looking at each other like, oh, I thought I was the only one dealing with, with whatever that is. So it was just very, very highly recommend if that sounds like something that would be in your lane. We enjoyed it. Not only individually but again reading through it and talking through it together as a team was really beneficial for us and I think I know Mike has helped me uh personally um just get better at a couple things and the the neat thing about um even on an even on a not not even talking about the people that we work with here who are part of our team but even even Mike, you and I and all of our ministry leaders spend a lot of time hanging out with ministry partners in mm-hmm. teams that we lead right. that have a lot of this stuff applies to. And the, the cool thing about being a better leader of a team is it just, when you do it well, it just makes people feel more valued to be a part of what you're doing because you're honoring them. You're thinking about it intentionally mm-hmm. and people walk away feeling better about their interaction with you because, um, it shows that you're caring. So that's, it's elevated what we do around here a lot. I think it really has one of my sons, Mm. adult sons had his first, (coughs) um, toxic boss, Mm. uh, this last year. And it reminded me all over again of the statistic that, um, apart from a person's, uh, how they, how their relationship with their spouse, if they're married, uh, colors their entire life, how their life is going. And, and so um, second there only second to that is a person's relationship with their boss like the, mm. how their life is doing how they experience life in general emotionally not just when they're at work has a lot to do with a healthy or toxic relationship with their boss and so being a healthy supervisor that helps people thrive in their vocation and in their life does not happen by accident it took me a long time to learn that and so we're uh, we're still trying to get better at that Another book, when, when, uh, when Angie and I travel, we like to do uh, a dive into the local culture and history. And you can't go to northern New Mexico without immersing yourself somewhat in the, the history 
and the ongoing material culture, architecture, uh, and uh, of the Pueblo Indian tribes. There are a number of them, but when you say Pueblo, they're grouped because they lived in these multi-tiered structures of adobe, which we all understand now as the southwestern architectural style, but it derives from the Native American tribes of that area who for generations had built using adobe in the style that that, that evokes when we when we see it. And so one uh, we we ran into a shop that had archival photographs of Native Americans of all tribes around the country um, done by a man named uh, made by a man named Edward Curtis who are about around 1900 recognized he 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 was prescient he recognized that the um, the traditional tribal ways of living were going to go out of existence in that generation that they were being threatened and so he assigned he got a grant from uh, one of the robber barons I forget which eastern banker uh, uh, he got a grant, and basically for uh, two decades, he immersed himself with every single Native American tribe in the continental U.S. Hmm. He gained their trust, learned languages, took photographs, and chronicled their way of life. And so I bought a book called The Image Taker, which is a selection. I was most interested in – it included – a bit of the history from the words of these tribal elders uh, at uh, in the early 1900s when they still lived in their traditional ways, not only about their lo- way of life and their tribal history uh, as known to them, but their creation myths. Hmm. And so I, that was part of what I read while I was there. Um, and so this is uh, on the back by President Theodore Roosevelt talking about this man's work to chronicle the traditional life and beliefs of Native Americans. Quote from from President Roosevelt, Curtis has lived on intimate terms with many different tribes of the mountains and the plains. He knows them as they hunt, as they travel, as they go about their various avocations on the march and in the camp. He knows their medicine men and sorcerers, their chiefs and warriors, their young men and maidens. In publishing this book, he is rendering a real and great service, a service not only to our own people, but to the world of scholarship everywhere. Hmm. I, I enjoyed that read. Uh, I haven't finished it. it. It also, you know, is a bit melancholy understanding what uh, America uh, perpetrated on all of the, the native peoples here uh, that the European settlers encountered. A bit sad um, to review that history, but also something remarkable in their cultures. It's hmm. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. You have one more there one more. for us, Mike, or one, one more, more summer uh, reading list recommendation. Yes. <laughs> and it connects with the first one that you brought us to. Uh, it, I, I did finally complete. I've been reading very slowly. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. A book called "Practicing the Power" hmm. by Sam Storms. Yep, the yep. the subtitle is "Welcoming the Gifts of the Holy Spirit in Your Life." Um, I will be passing along many of the insights from this book in our September sermon series we're planning to do on the Holy Spirit. Um, but th- it's this book that convinced, and I've moved slowly through it on purpose, convinced me something that you said earlier, Harrison, that I, I have, um, in seeking more of the presence and power and getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit more in my own life this year, um, 
this this book convinced me that I've been skipping a step. That uh, I people would say, "Hey, will you pray for me?" And I would go, "You know what? I'll pray for you right now." But then I probably won't moving forward because other people are gifted prayer warriors. I'm really not. I I'm, I don't do like a prayer list, you know. And I, I would kind of joke about that. I know what my spiritual gifts are, and prayer warrior has not been one of those, if that even is a gift. But I realized out of out of my own studying of Jesus' teaching on prayer for last fall's sermon series, and in my readings about growing as a, a, a man walking in the Holy Spirit personally, not only as a pastor, that this, this really only comes by being truly a person dedicated to prayer, that, that time dedicated, focused, um, sustained, seeking times in the presence of God with prayer. As Jesus, remember from our sermon series, Jesus talked often about persistence, seeking, asking, knocking uh, uh, with ardor, fervently. And so I, I let Sam Storm's book here, uh, several charismatic Presbyterians told me this was my next step to read. <laughs> I have mentors in the life and the spirit, and, uh, and I let this book call me to become a man of prayer. If we had that funeral of mine tomorrow, Harrison, uh, the, the music would be great. And people would say a few nice things about me. But no one would say he was a man of prayer. Hmm. And I'm, I'm seeking to change that. That's, that's hmm. my growth period. So, so that's what I most got out of this book. There's a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts. And I'm still trying to digest his emphasis on the gift of prophecy. I, I need to cross-reference this with other teachings, uh, although I'm asking the Lord to gift me with that gift or more of that gift. I, I've experienced the Lord speaking prophetic words through me before mm. uh, that I knew what it was, but I thought it was more in my role as pastor in someone's life rather than really a spiritual gift. But I'm I'm seeking that because Paul says in Corinthians to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, and so that's part of my prayer life is asking for that. I was talking to my 10-year-old yesterday. He was fighting with his uh, little six-year-old sister. And um, I told him, I was like, you know, and then he starts something with her, and then she comes back, and she smacks him or something. He's like, you know, why Why is this happening to me? And I told him, I was like, well, you know, I, I, I said, it talks a lot in the Bible about, <clears throat> you know, when you you have to plant something, to get something good later on, you know, you reap, you reap what you sow. That means what, what you're planting when you're pl- telling him, when you plant this with your sister, <laughs> the, the plant that's, that's going to grow out of that is something that's not good because the seed you put in isn't good. <laughs> and, uh, it just, it, it reminds me of that. Did that Mike, register? It kind of did a little okay. bit. Yeah. Just trying to explain how you, this, the atmosphere mm-hmm. you're creating when you plant that. And, and I've thought a lot about that. Um, <clears throat> blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness mm-hmm. for they will be filled. And I've realized I struggle with that a lot. I think in, in my young twenties and feeling like, man, I feel like I'm hungering and thirsting and I don't know how this all works, but it's, it's really cool. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about this in James as well, that there is a part of it, like you're saying, Mike, that, that we're called to do, you know, we, we, are you watering that mm-hmm. plant is this is something you care about are you watering it every day are you investing in it and then you see the plant start mm-hmm. to grow out of this stuff that you have 
you have put a flag in the ground and said, this is important to me and I am seeking this. And I think that's a lot of what I didn't, didn't realize early on about what Jesus was saying there. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you're hungering and thirsting for it, you know, you're, you're, you're doing some work on your end to make that happen mm-hmm. at times. You're, you're, you're making it come into reality. Yes. There, there is a, uh, what do you call it when two things seem to, that are opposite appear to be true? What, what's that word? I'm, like a paradox? A paradox. This mm-hmm. is a great paradox. Yep. All of God's, the gifts of salvation are ours by grace. Mm-hmm. The gifts of sanctification are ours by grace. They're a gift of God. And yet, because it's a relationship, there are things that can only be attained um, by uh, honoring relationship. The same, uh, my uh, Angie's love for me is grace. It's a gift of her person, of her free will. A- and I would never say that I've attained her love by works, and yet... There are parts of her that that are rightfully withheld unless I honor aspects of relationship that honor her, and then only mm-hmm. then should she rightly trust me with that part of herself. The Holy Spirit, Sam Storms, in this book, Practicing the Power, made really got through to me. The Holy Spirit is a person who wants to be known, who graces us with his presence, his personality, and power, and yet... Um, rightly, as a person with boundaries himself, with right boundaries, um, just like I had to seek ardently after Angie. Uh, she was not um, going to entrust herself to some trifling fraternity fool who ex- expressed momentary affection. She had to see um, uh, tr- true care, affection, respect, love and honor over time to trust and open up. And the Holy Spirit is similar. And hmm. so I'm trying to live that out in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. In my prayers, that I'm, I'm regularly saying, I'm so familiar, I've worked so hard to learn about God the Father and approaching Him as Abba, Daddy, the same way Jesus taught us to. And I feel like I know the Father very well. Hmm. God the Son, Jesus, as, as my brother and my Lord, um, my divine friend, I know Jesus so well, so in such a friendly and respectful, worshipful manner, as my Lord and my Rabbi and my friend, and and I'm apologizing to the Holy Spirit for taking the Holy Spirit for granted as a person, and I'm asking uh, for the grace to know the Holy Spirit with the same familiarity, and that's not occurring overnight, and I recommend that to all of you, my friends. Very good. Well, thank you all for joining us. We hope that uh, maybe maybe one or two or more of, of these will catch your eye and can uh, encourage you while you're sitting out at the lake or beach or somewhere this summer as your summer reading list. We'll see you all next time on the Ask LFC podcast.